Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Full court with Fisher and Kay and two fully rested Fisher and Kays. Uh, We both have been, you know, able to lay low for the past couple weeks, Kara, the holidays, and now we're back to it. So any holiday updates for the people, any games that you watched, anything else that you may have watched over this brief break? Um, we did have quite a few, you know, big college games. I've been watching football with the college football playoff last weekend, a little bit of NFL. And I also watched and finished, so I guess I should say started and finished um, Bridgerton on Netflix, which was, you know, everyone was telling me to watch it, a Shonda Rhimes show about Royals. So that was also a quick watch, but um, a ton of college basketball to get to since we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. Very true. And one quick note I wanted to ask you, have you seen the the Pixar movie Soul? I have not. Kara, okay. I have watched it twice now um, since. I didn't think it was going to make me cry. Again, anything I put on Twitter, I feel like people just want to make fun of. So they're like, have you never seen a Pixar movie before? Have you never seen a Disney movie? Like, whatever. Um, but it's a great, great movie. They make a funny joke about the Knicks being a bad basketball team and messing with them. And so obviously love the basketball humor. But 10 out of 10 would recommend watching Soul. I made my older sister watch it because I thought my nephew might like it. He didn't watch a single second of it, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but that was on my watch list during this break. But let's get to the real the real meat of this, the basketball, the college basketball, and we had big news come out of Indy on Indianapolis today. It will be a single location for the men's NCAA basketball tournament in 2021. We knew that they were aiming to do this, right? To have it held in Indianapolis. The final four was already scheduled to be there, but now they have made it official that the entire tournament will be held in Indiana, a majority of the games in Indy, at sites such as Hinkle on Butler's campus and of course, Lucas Oil, they're planning to have two courts there. But Kara, tons of other details, we don't know dates and such yet, but tons of other details uh, occurring from the NCAA news today. The only day we really got was they said they were trying to keep the Final Four on the April 3rd through 5th weekend. So we kind of know that. Um, They also announced they'll be using the Indiana Convention Center as a practice facility. So keeping teams practicing there. They mentioned um, having them try to stay in hotels that kind of connect to that Skyway system in Indy, which is nice because then you don't have to really go outside. And then they're also, you know, going to work with local health officers for testing and just to monitor, you know, what's going on and set up all the proper protocols in place. Um, but it's a pretty cool you know, works out pretty well because the NCAA headquarters are there. The Final Four is held in Indianapolis all the time. So, you know, they kind of know how to pull off a Final Four. It'll just be kind of a totally different level with this. Yeah, the familiarity aspect for the region, for the staff, I think is really huge. And like you mentioned, the Final Four reoccurringly is held here. 
But I love that you mentioned like the the skyways. I call them the tunnels. So if people don't know, I used to work at the NCAA in downtown Indy. And to go to lunch, uh, I would take the tunnels and we would walk through like the hotels and all the all the fun little like tunnel ways to to get there because when it was cold out, you were like, oh, I don't want to walk outside. And you can actually get through Indy, through these tunnels, through the hotels, convention centers, the convention center alone is huge. So that's a definitely a cool tidbit that you know, they can, they can really have control over where these people are. Also coming out today was the first net rankings along with a new AP poll. But Kara, what has changed from what's come out of these? So the first, the first net rankings, you know, are always kind of a little bit different just because, you know, all the data hasn't caught up yet. Um, But we did have three big 10 teams um, in the top 10 of the net rankings. We also had Gonzaga at number one with their four quad one victories. Um, Houston and Missouri are at the end of the top 10, Houston at eight, Missouri at 10. And then, like you said, um, the AP poll coming out, not a ton of surprises, but we do have Iowa back up to number five after previously being number 10. Um, so kind of interesting to look at both of those today and just kind of see where teams lie. Yeah, Houston and Mizzou are the only other teams to have four quad one victories alongside Gonzaga. So I think that's especially worth noting. But like you said, it gets better as they get more data. And right now, some funny things to point out. Seven and three Colorado is number 14 in the net rankings. One and one Colgate is at number 16. Seven and two Kansas only has losses to Gonzaga and Texas. They sit at number 27. And then we have some really funny ones. Uh, Kentucky at number 144 is pretty damn funny. Duke at 115, also just yikes. And I'm just going to say any list with 340 items alone is kind of hilarious. So I just want to give a shout out to number 340, which is Mississippi Valley out of the SWAC. Uh, it's like if you're not first, you're last, but you might as well be last on this list if you're not going to be between one and 10. Like if you're 10 through 339, people are just going to forget about you. But if you're 340, you're, you're notable at that point. So I, I just think it's, it's a funny instance. But we did have a couple of, of big games in men's basketball. We'll get to the first net rankings ever in women's college basketball. Um, But before we get to that, the big games this past weekend in men's basketball that led to some of these rankings being shaken out a bit more. And Carol, we got to start with Texas beating Kansas. That was a huge game. Texas handing Kansas um, a 25 point loss in Lawrence, which is the biggest of the Bill Self era at home. Um, Texas now off to an eight and one start and their only loss was um, to Villanova by four. So definitely not a bad loss. Um, They had Five of their players in double figures. They had Courtney Ramey leading the way with 18 and held Kansas to only 30.8% from the field. So they kind of, you know, have figured out a rotation there and got some productivity from their guards and their big men and just had really an awesome day against Kansas. Speaking of awesome day, another team that just continues to have awesome days is Gonzaga. They completely dominated uh, San Francisco to start off 10 and 0. And they just continue to win. Uh, Kispert had 26, including a three at the buzzer at the end of the game to give them a 10-point halftime lead. 
He was one of four Zags in double figures. And I just want to give a quick note on Kispert from their game against UVA. Uh, I think it points to how dominant they are, but also how great of a player he is. So Kispert had nine threes and a career high 32 points. Timmy had a career high 29 alongside that. But for Kispert, not only did he make nine threes, he was nine for 13, bringing his totals for the year to shooting 52% from three and 79% from two. Everyone is saying he already knows how to play out of an NBA style action. And you add together his shooting, his size and his feel. And people really think that it could translate well at the next level, very much a plug and play type of guy. And so I'm just excited to see him continue to, to do so well for them. So Kara, the big question that I have, and I'll, I, I promise I'll give my honest opinion as well. Will the Zags go undefeated into March Madness? They are the best, they have the best remaining opponents for them are St. Mary's and BYU. They are currently number 63 and number 66, respectively in Kempom. Could the Zags go undefeated heading into the NCAA tournament? I certainly think they can, and I think they will, actually. I know it's very hard, no matter who's on your schedule, to consistently come out and win and get, you know, um, the play out of your team that you need to win every night. But I think that they have enough balance and enough talent that they certainly can go undefeated. And, you know, like you talked about, Kisberg has had some huge games for them, um, has had some dominant scoring performances, but they also have plenty of other players like Jalen Suggs who can um, score and just score against almost anybody. So I do think that they can and they will. And I would love to hear your thoughts. I think the Zags will go undefeated through March Madness. And I know that sounds kind of crazy. I know it's been a long time since that's happened. I want to say it's Indiana in 76 was the last time that a team went undefeated all the way up until the national championship. But what I think is so crazy about this team is who are they going to lose to? We mentioned the opponents in St. Mary's and BYU being the toughest remaining on their schedule. I can't picture Gonzaga losing to either of those teams. And if not them, who else? Um, they are just so completely loaded. Even when they've slightly faltered in some way during a game, they found their footing again and they're able to put together the pieces and, and dominate. And the margin is just so wide between them and who's behind them as far as talent and competitiveness and again, dominance. Uh, it's, it's been their year up until this point. They are, like we mentioned, 10 and 0. I could see them winning the next 20 games if it ever gets to that point. And so we'll have to see, but again, I, I am faithful that the Zags could make some history. And I mean, Hey, like 2020 was a historic year in like a bunch of sad ways, obviously tournament getting canceled, but 2021, some cool history would be the first undefeated team since Indiana in the 70s to, to go undefeated through March Madness and overall win the title. And Carol, we have to talk about it. Speaking of history, Kentucky finally gets its second win, finally getting on the right side of history. They are off to a 1-0 start in SEC play after their double overtime win this past weekend um, against Mississippi State. Freshman, redshirt freshman Dante Allen had 23 points, and that includes seven threes off of the bench. Um, he kind of led the way. Coach Cal got tossed with about nine minutes to go in regulation. It took two overtimes, but they found a way to win, found a way to get back in the winning column, um, and you know hopefully build some confidence going forward. They're looking for some 
for some scoring for some production and they might have found at least part of their answer to that. Yeah, and I love that it was the hometown kid, as in Dante Allen is from Kentucky. Cal has been saying everyone will get their time, and then they finally play the kid, and he basically wins it for them. And that's the way to build confidence within a team, I think, and especially after your coach gets tossed and you kind of have to figure out the pieces and what's going to work and stay together. I think Dante Allen having the kind of game that he did really will do wonders. We had Sean Smith on in our last episode from Big Blue Country, and he was saying how they just needed one. They just needed the one win to get the ball rolling and to and to start to build that confidence and belief, especially in Cal and what he's been trying to do. So we will see if the Cats can keep it up. The first ever net rankings for women's college basketball ever, not just for this season, came out. And the women's net rankings, I know that maybe some men's college basketball fans are familiar. For women's college basketball fans that may not be as familiar, the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee will use net as a guide in selecting the at-large seating for the NCAA tournament, replacing the RPI system in place since 1984. The net ranking is determined by who you played, where you played, how efficiently you played, and the result of the game, primarily driven by adjusted net efficiency and team value index. At the top of the women's first ever net rankings are Stanford, UConn, Baylor, and then at number four is Oregon, which I think is the most interesting piece of this because for the first time since 2017, Oregon has dropped out of the top 10. Um, obviously those were the Sabrina UNESCO led years, but I still think Oregon is a really great team proven by them holding on and staying within the top five of the net rankings, even if they've fallen out of the top 10 of the AP. And I gave a shout out to the, to the top, <laughs> excuse me, not the top, the last team in the net rankings, because I, I think it's just a tough spot to be in, but on the women's side, the very last team in the net rankings at number 337 is Northwestern state. Um, not a fun spot to be in, but again, I mean, just best of luck to them moving forward as we get more data, which we've already talked about. Hopefully they can move up in their spot. We did get a new AP poll for the women and we got also the net rankings. Um, we did not really get any more information on their um, postseason championship. It's kind of, um, you know, like we talked about all the details coming out about Indianapolis for the men's side. We haven't heard anything more other than it would probably be in San Antonio for the women's side. So that was interesting. Yeah, it's just a tough, strange combination because it doesn't look like they're working in tandem for both the men's and women's tournaments and their respective moves and news and everything happening. But you would hope that they're still moving in the same direction that just hasn't been made public yet, that they maybe just have more things to iron out. Um, but it is definitely strange. The optics aren't great, but we will see what is to come. Couple big games this past weekend in women's college basketball, Kentucky over Mississippi State in overtime. Ryan Howard, who has been on the program before, scored 33 to lead Kentucky to the win in a top 15 matchup that as mentioned, went to overtime and she had 25 in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. And UK had three other players in double figures as the team shot 50% from three. And the biggest thing that I have noticed watching her play basketball, she is a pro. I know that again, she's only a junior, that she will not be entering the draft. She's not draft eligible for this upcoming WNBA draft, but she is a pro. And when you watch her, you can tell that she's a pro. 
we'll have to wait, but her ceiling is just so, so high. And I can't wait to see what she's able to do in the game of basketball at the next level. UCLA beat Oregon in a top 15 matchup. Oregon was number eight at the time, UCLA number 11. They won by just two points and it snapped Oregon's 27 game win streak. Uh, senior Michaela Anyanwere from UCLA had 33 points, including a layup with 51 seconds to go to put UCLA ahead. And she also had a double-double with 10 boards as well. We're talking about Ryan Howard with 33 points for Kentucky. And then Michaela with her own 33 points, including a clutch play. That's another pro's pro that is playing college basketball right now and, and can't wait to see where she winds up. Speaking of career highs, we had Fran Belibi from Stanford. She had a career high 23 points. She also added 12 rebounds um, for Stanford to get the win by eight over Arizona State. Um, Stanford has been on the road ever since November 25th when they opened up at home. They had a couple games canceled that were supposed to be at home. So they've kind of been on the road ever since. Um, they beat number six Arizona on Friday and then they now will return home this week to play Oregon at the end of this week. So I'm sure it'll be nice for them to kind of get back into their normal routine playing at home. The last women's game we'll talk about is number seven, now number 17, Texas beating Iowa State. Um, Charlie Collier, who we've talked about many times on this program, she's had over 20 double doubles in her career now. Um, she's just a really fun player to watch. Again, someone that could go number one this upcoming WNBA draft. And she's also been having some fun off the court, um, building her brand and engaging her fans all over the country. Yeah, she has a new talk show that she calls Center Court with Charlie Collier. It's a digital talk show where she interviews people who love the game of basketball. And obviously as two women who also love the game of basketball and interviewing people and talking about it, I just had to give her the shout out. Uh, great things happening for Charlie Collier and in the Big 12. And now what better a time to bring in our guest, Morgan Uber, who is a digital correspondent at the Big 12 Conference. Morgan, I'm a Big East girl, Kara is a Big 10 girl, but what is the biggest thing college basketball fans should know about what's going on in the Big 12 Conference right now? Gosh, Jenny and Kara, thank you both, first off, so much for having me. Uh, you know, I think first and foremost, you gotta be excited about the depth of this conference here this season. You know, you look at everything from Baylor to West Virginia, Texas Tech, uh, Texas, uh, you know, we have five teams here in the top 25 right now with, you know, potentially more to come. Uh, you know, I, I think a team like Oklahoma who was picked sixth in the big 12 preseason poll, easily a dark horse, we saw them have an upset. So I just think the depth and, and the experience that this conference has this year, I think a lot of teams have some chips on their shoulder after you know the cancellations uh, of last year in the NCAA tournament. So I think these teams really have a lot that they still want to you know leave out there on the court and, and what better time to now do it here in the new year. Talking about Big 12 basketball always starts with Kansas traditionally. Um, they already have some big wins this year beating Creighton, Texas Tech and West Virginia. We just saw them though lose at home by 25 to Texas, which is super rare. So what should we make of that rare loss and the biggest one of Bill Self's coaching history um, at home? Yeah, I mean, Kara, you, you said it, that hadn't happened in nearly 30 or 30 plus years uh, 
for, for that Kansas team. But I think one of the biggest things that they're lacking is interior presence. They're really missing the Big 12 player of the year, Yudoka Azabuki, uh, who is now in the NBA. But I think they really need forward David McCormick to step up. We saw him against West Virginia. When he plays well, uh, things really open up for this Kansas team. And they do have a redshirt freshman forward in Jalen Wilson, who has been really a bright spot for Kansas and, and maybe surprising to some people. He's leading the team right now and scoring. But, you know, just listening to things that Coach Self has said, he, he really is relying on McCormick to step up the guy who had been, you know, behind their guy, the guy Azubuki for, you know, a few years. Now he becomes the guy. So, uh, you know, I think if, if they get a little bit more interior presence, better play from, from him, you know, the, they can get right back to, you know, another final four run. They have these deep and interchangeable players at guard uh, after losing their point guard, Devon Dotson. So really it's the interior presence factor uh, that they need more of right now. One other team that, of course, you can't talk about the Big 12 without mentioning Texas. Shaka Smart was on the coaching hot seat entering this season, but now he has the Longhorns ranked fourth in today's AP poll. What has been the key to that program's turnaround? You know, you, you can't look any past the three-headed trio, those three guards, Courtney, Ramey, Matt Coleman, and Andrew Jones. And this is a chemistry that's really been building, I think, for Texas and Coach Smart over the past two and a half years, really, for those three guys. Uh, so I think, you know, they, they've reached a new peak, um, defeating Kansas. And I think they have this experience and depth, not just in their backcourt, but also in their front court. Jericho Sims forward, he missed seven games last year due to an injury and he's back and, and looking strong. But then they also have, you know, a freshman star forward in Greg Brown. So having that seniority paired with this newcomer, this newcomer star, uh, I really think it's been the perfect storm for Texas. So, you know, they're really strong at all five positions. They also have guys who can come off the bench and uh, put up some some points as well so uh you know i think the longhorns just need to keep doing what they've been doing and, and stay healthy and really this could be a very special season for coach smart and the longhorns program what's crazy is we've talked about big 12 basketball we haven't even talked about baylor yet who's ranked number two in the nation um a little bit easy to forget um they haven't played you know any huge teams except for illinois a couple weeks ago their offense is ranked third um, by Ken Palm, seventh defensively. So what makes them so dangerous on both ends of the floor? Yeah, I think, you know, for them, it's, again, their guard play. They have Jared Butler and Macy Oteague, who both, you know, tested the NBA waters, but good thing for Baylor and Coach Drew that they came back because really those two guys have been the key to that program. Uh, you know, a lot of it has just been the momentum that they've been able to carry over from what they were able to do last year. They were picked to win the big 12 here this season. And that's really no surprise, but, you know, I, I want to give, you know, something that's really interesting is, is when you look at the different uh, recruiting classes for coach drew in the past four years, four years ago of the 10 teams in the big 12, they were ranked 10th in terms of recruiting classes. So he's bringing in these players and really developing 
you know, they're kind of the diamonds in the rough, so to speak. The year that Jared Butler came in, that recruiting class, they were ranked seventh in the Big 12. So, uh, you know, it really just speaks remarkably. I, I've talked to Coach Drew about that, and he gives all the credit to his staff in terms of the, the players that they bring in really fit into that culture and, and what they try to do there at Baylor. Uh, so it's, it's really impressive. But, you know, they've been on a roll up until, you know, the Iowa State game just, uh, you know, a few days ago. That one was a little close. It was just decided by 10 points. But, you know, the first eight games of the season, they were on average beating teams by 33 points. So, you know, I, I think they, they, they did get tested a little bit by Iowa State there. And I think every game in the Big 12 is going to be a grind for them. But Baylor, they have just, you know, picked up right where they left off from last year. I, for one, am a huge Scott Drew fan, so I love to hear that from you. And I know that they've been building this momentum. You mentioned the recruiting for years now, and you mentioned it as well, the five teams in the top 25. That includes three in the top six. Is this the year that the Big 12 truly becomes something more than Kansas and the rest? Again, I know Baylor, Texas, all these teams have been building up. Even Texas Tech kind of caught lightning in a bottle last season. But is this truly the year that the Big 12 could become something more than Kansas and the rest? Absolutely. I think, Jenny, it already it already has, uh, you know, I think with Texas and, and Shaka Smart and uh, even though West Virginia did take a little bit of a dip, you know, Bob Huggins, what he's been able to do there uh, this year. And, and of course, Texas Tech, too. It's, you know, no people aren't just talking about Kansas anymore. It's it's really talking about the conference collectively as a whole. And really, uh, when you talk to any of these coaches, uh, even a Bill Self or a Scott Drew, they'll be the first to say that every game in the Big 12 is going to be a grind. You know, you can't go into a game expecting it to be easy. Um, so yeah, I think this could be a year where we see two teams in the final four and, you know, maybe one of them is Kansas, maybe not. You know, I definitely think um, Baylor has the chance to get there at this point. If Texas continues what they're doing, they have a chance to get there. And, um, you know, Kansas, of course, too, right up there. So, uh, you know, there's there's depth and, and experience on, on all these teams. And I think that that just makes this season so much fun. You mentioned West Virginia a little bit. Um, they just are coming off of a close loss to Oklahoma. They also had um, Oscar Sheway step away from the team, not expecting to come back. Um, they've already lost to Kansas this year, but they have another test this weekend playing Texas. Do you think that will be a close game? Do you think they can give Texas a challenge? I do. I, I think the biggest thing for West Virginia, they're hopefully, you know, they they took one thing away from their loss against Oklahoma. It has to be that they're going to have to come out much faster with much more energy. They got down by 18 at halftime. Um, so I think they really dug themselves into a hole early. So if they can keep pace with Texas, I think they can hang right there with them. One of the things, though, that I think the Sooners did so well was, you know, Derek Culver, he really struggled against the double teams. Um, you know, he had just two points against the Sooners. So depending on what their big guys can do for Texas with Jericho Sims and Greg Brown, if they shut him down, you know, I'm not so sure the game will be too close. But, uh, you know, if, if they're able to find ways for him to get open and avoid those double teams, um, then certainly I think we got ourselves a, a great game. We've got to touch on women's basketball in the Big 12 as well, especially when you have 
again, at Texas and a Baylor. And especially for Texas, they have the new coach in Vic Schaefer, and they've been doing extremely well behind Charlie Collier. What does it mean for the league itself to have a big name player like that? Someone who could go number one overall in this upcoming WNBA draft. Yeah, I think, you know, Vic Schaefer coming in, uh, one of the things that he's talked about with her and really the whole team collectively is just, you know, he, he's emphasized wanting his team to play and embrace this blue collar, physical, tough mentality. And no one embodies that, I think, more than Charlie Collier herself. So, I, I mean, she is just so consistent in the post uh, and leads that team. Is She's the clear leader. Um, but, you know, part of their, their recent success, too, I think, is the fact that it's not all on her shoulders. These guards have really stepped up and you can see, you know, the pressure of of you know her play um, she's able to play a little bit more freely I feel like in that last game against Iowa State was one thing I noticed but she's definitely a special player in the Big 12 someone that I enjoy watching I enjoy covering and you know Texas has a, a real opportunity to continue climbing the charts the Big 12 also features the reigning national champions on the women's side in Baylor um, they've only lost one game they're ranked number three and they play UConn this week, um, who's number two. What are you looking for in that matchup? I think this is going to be really one of the first tests for Baylor, although we did see them fall early to Arkansas in the SEC Challenge. Uh, really, when you you know break down the, the points per game, um, their opponents are averaging just 49 points a game compared to Baylor's average of 88 points a game. So defensively, we know, I mean, Baylor with Dee Dee Richards, who was the National Defensive Player of the Year, they play some of the best defense uh, in the Big 12 and in the country. So we'll see what they can do uh, against UConn. This will be, you know, a big test for them. Um, so really, I think it's going to come down to the solid team defense, uh, again, which will be led by Richards. But uh, yeah, I think that should be a great game later on this week, and I'm looking forward to it. So you had started at the conference about a year ago after having been at the Patriot League, but what was it like getting thrown right in in 2019, all the way through the chaos of 2020, and now heading into the new year in 2021? So I know this is a basketball podcast, but the way that my Big 12 journey actually started was two days before the Big 12 uh, football championship game. So really thrown right into it, showed up at the office and then, you know, was at AT&T Stadium 48 hours later for, for day three. So my first interview was with Jalen Hurts. Second interview was with Lincoln Riley. So that was pretty special and, and you know, a memory I definitely won't forget. But then, you know, it was basketball season and really got to witness something very special last year uh, throughout conference play and, and Baylor's historic season, something that I'll never forget being able to cover and interview Coach Drew after a few of those exciting wins. Uh, and then it was getting to Kansas City and, you know, getting there. It was, we were hearing bits and pieces about, um, you know, COVID-19 and, and who would have thought that things would have ended the way that they did and, and still continuing to carry over into the challenges and difficulties that we're facing this season. But, um, you know, it, it's been a great ride. Just celebrated my one year anniversary about a month ago and um, really looking forward to actually being able to, con you know, cover a Big 12 championship in Kansas City this year. I cannot wait. 
Um, you know, last year was the first time in eight years that both the men's and women's basketball championships were going to be both in Kansas City. So previously, the women's had been held in Oklahoma City um, and the men's was in Kansas City. But, you know, having all fan bases there of all 20 programs for both the men and women, we were just really excited about that. It was going to be something really special. Um, so, you know, I it's been basically a, a year of, of just waiting for the chance to be able to cover something like that again and be a part of that. So, um, you know, definitely cannot wait for March. I'm also a big college football fan in addition to college basketball. So I love hearing about um, the football. We just saw the Big 12 have a huge week. The only autonomy conference to go 5-0, be undefeated in bowl play. Can you give us maybe a favorite game or memory from this past season covering Big 12 football? So, I mean, yeah, the way that things ended for the Big 12 was definitely super special. And I think, um, you know, I think it speaks volumes about what this conference and, and what our commissioner Bob Bowlesby and all of us, you know, below him have been able to do in order to get this season on. We were one of the first conferences to start playing football and, and to end on a high note like we did was really special. But, um, you know, I will say it's it's been you know, pretty cool. It was awesome to see Oklahoma handle Florida the way they did. But I think if I had to pick kind of a favorite memory of the entire season, I think it would really be what Iowa State and head coach Matt Campbell did this season and that team and running back Brees Hall become the nation's leading rusher and, and having the opportunity to interview him and, and talk to him. That team, uh, you could tell that they were just having so much fun. You could tell their cohesiveness. And I think what they, you know, started this season, I think is going to continue on into next season, similar to, you know, the Baylor men's basketball team. Um, you know, I could see it. They're bringing back a lot of pieces, uh, Iowa State is. And, and so I think, um, you know, they, they have some very special times ahead. Morgan, last question before we let you go. The news came out today that the NCAA men's basketball tournament would be held in Indiana in the greater Indianapolis area uh, between Lucas Oil, Hinkle Fieldhouse, among a lot of other places. Um, but to have it all in one geographic area, any reactions to that news? And then also, would you maybe travel if a big 12 team were to make it to the final four? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I'll be uh, in my in my boss's ears, you know, asking for that opportunity when the time comes. But yeah, I was very thrilled to, to see that news. You know, I think it's like anything that we've had to do in the past year. It's adapt and change for the better. And I think this is, you know, the best solution for you know, basketball in March and to be able to have, you know, the NCAA tournament like we know it uh, to some extent. But I know, I know those cities, um, you know, around the country that that aren't getting the opportunity that our host sites are, are probably pretty bummed and, and miss out on a lot of revenue. But I think it's really special for it to be, you know, where the NCAA is located there in Indy and in all the surrounding uh, areas with you know the capabilities to, to hold people there but yeah I, I, I'm very excited um, and I think it'll be you know a great great show and um, you know with all of the resources that they have there in Indy you know that they're going to blow it out of the water and do an excellent job and so hopefully we have uh, you know some lots of big 12 teams there representing. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us, Morgan. Uh, best of luck with everything ahead in the Big 12 as conference play ends. And I mean, we're, we're right around the corner from March at this point mm -hmm. is what it feels like. We're two months away. So best of luck with everything. And thank you so much again. 
Jenny and Kara, thanks so much for having me. The countdown to March is on. A huge thank you to Morgan Uber for joining us. She's great at what she does. I've been following what she's been doing for the past couple of years, again, back from when she was at the Patriot League. And she's just one of the most genuine people in this industry. So a huge thank you to her. But we mentioned it, we're in 2021. It is a new year. It might seem like kind of a weird time in the college basketball season where we're into conference play and it's just full steam ahead through that until March. But pair up for our final four our last section of this podcast, four games to watch to start off 2021. Kara, what are your four games to watch? So looking at the schedule, I have two on the men's side, two on the women's side. Um, first on the men's side, we have Minnesota and Michigan on Wednesday. Both teams have got off to pretty hot starts in the Big Ten after kind of, you know, they were really, really um, expected to be at the top of the Big Ten with it being so competitive, but they both played really well thus far. They'll meet on Wednesday. And I actually have a second Minnesota game. Um, they're matching up with Iowa on Sunday for the second time this season. Again, I think Minnesota is just an interesting team in the Big Ten. And then Iowa, obviously behind Luca Garza and their three-point shooting, has still been playing pretty well. Um, they picked up a win last weekend at Rutgers, which – even without fans, it's still a very tough place to play. On the women's side, um, I have Michigan State, who of course I'm interested in. They will be playing Maryland this week. Michigan State is ranked 23rd in the AP poll. Maryland's at 12th. Um, obviously two pretty good programs facing off. Um, Michigan State picked up the win over Purdue this past weekend on the road. So we'll see how they do. And then we mentioned that Oregon versus Stanford this Friday, Stanford gets to return home. And Oregon dropping out of the AP poll, sorry, excuse me, Oregon dropping out of the top 10 in the AP poll. We'll see how they kind of respond this week with a big matchup. I love it. And I think you might like the Big Ten just a little bit. I mean, three out of the four being Big Ten matchups. I'm not going to knock you for it because you also chose Michigan State basketball. They're, they're all good picks. This just goes to show that the Big Ten is an absolutely stacked conference. I have no Big Ten teams or games in my four games to watch. Perfect. Uh, I do have a little bit of Big East and Big 12 with UConn women's basketball, who is and 6-0. They'll head to Waco. We mentioned it with Morgan, but I just think it's going to be an interesting game because we haven't seen UConn play as much um, due to their, their pause at the beginning. And so uh, also on the women's side, Georgia versus South Carolina because somehow Georgia snuck into the top 25 of the net rankings. Um, so I'm extremely interested to see how that game goes. On the men's side, if we're talking homers, I wanted to pick my home team, Marquette, against Villanova. This was going to happen this week. But of course, the news comes out on Monday that there are issues with COVID within the Villanova men's basketball program. And so that game will be postponed. Lucky for me, though, postponed does not mean canceled. So it could happen. We just don't know when. Um, the last Marquette Villanova game is when I was going to dye my hair blue, should Marquette have won. Um, and Villanova is obviously still a top 10 team. So I could have re-wagered that, uh, but it's not happening. No blue hair, no Marquette versus Villanova um, until a later time, but it was still on my list. We're still gonna keep it there, no replacing it. And then of course, men's basketball, Texas versus West Virginia. I just think it's going to be a great matchup. And if West Virginia can pull it off against Texas, uh, that will be a huge win for that program. 
Another episode of Full Court with Fisher and Kay is in the books. Another big, big thank you to Morgan Uber for spending some time with us. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. I also want to give them an extra shout out because they also bought Keep Showing Up t-shirts and helped me raise over $27,000 through my fundraiser. So thank you to you guys. Tom Phillip edits the show and we always appreciate his contributions. And please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday is the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court. Please check out all of our shows, subscribe, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court with Fisher and Kay. Full Court is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.